Hi, I'm Lisette Jacobson, host of the Black, Brown, and Bilingue podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here. And today I'm talking with Christy Topolovich and Scott Seavey from Roosevelt Community Education Center in Rockford, Illinois. We're focused on small learning communities, teaching science for engagement, project-based learning, and the Veneer Science Education Grant, which which uh, Christy won. Uh, what a cool thing going on here. There's so much cool stuff. You're going to be so inspired, and you're going to be part of their programs. Uh, what an awesome talk. And by the way, before you go, it'd be so cool if you went to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews and uh, left a review and a rating. Could you do that for me? That'd be so cool. That's how we get discovered in podcast land. I mean, one of the ways you can do it is right there on my website. Another way is you can go to the podcast platform you listen to me on. Like Apple, you go underneath the Apple uh, podcast artwork, you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the place where you can, you could click five stars and uh, leave some positive comments so what do you think would you do that for me thanks so much you are awesome enjoy the show it's the education podcast your favorite show with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know so crank it up the tin and let your neighbors know that here's another show with dr steve Milletto. teaching learning leading k-12 teaching learning leading k-12 teaching learning leading k-12 with Dotsty Maletto. Christy Topolovich is a science teacher and science curriculum implementation leader at Roosevelt Community Education Center in Rockford, Illinois. With 14 years of experience in education, Christy has worked as a science teacher in a traditional secondary education setting, community college setting, and an alternative education setting. Having a background in chemistry and having worked in industry in different levels of education, it gives Christy a unique perspective on making connections between traditional science skill development, lifelong learning skills, and a mastery learning experience for her students. In her current role at Roosevelt, Christy is focusing on the use of project-based learning and hands-on learning experiences to teach important concepts with a lens of relevance to students' lives and interests beyond high school. She was awarded for this ongoing work with a 40th anniversary grant from Vernier Science Education. Scott Seavey is the College and Career Academy coach at Roosevelt Community Education Center in Rockford, Illinois. With 16 years of experience in education, Scott has served in both private and public education systems. His background in school counseling, volunteer service in higher ed uh, board leadership, and experience in the business world give him a unique perspective on the integration between learning and doing. In his current role, Scott oversaw the implementation of the College and Career Academy model of RPS 205 within the context of his school, a model that is characterized by students learning in small learning communities that are specifically oriented to students' career interests that help students connect what they learn with the workplace. Christy and Scott, thanks for joining me today. Say hi to everybody. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hey, great to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you guys here. And uh, let's start with this. What do you like best about working with your students? Well, Roosevelt is kind of a gem in the education world where we get the opportunity to work one-on-one with students to reach their goals. Um, And for most students, that goal is attaining their high school diploma. So we have the opportunity to work in small classroom settings, and we work um, very closely with students and build very positive working relationships with them. So I would have to say my absolute favorite thing about working with students is working with them, developing that relationship, and seeing them reach their goals. And in addition to that, I get the opportunity to see them reach their interest in science and start to love science. And then also find a way to take everything they're doing here and apply it to their life after Roosevelt. And I have to say uh, my favorite part um, about working with students is when students make the connection between um, the stuff they're learning and how it applies in the real world uh, in a way that is tangible to them. Um, And when kid makes that connection, um, no matter what age they are, it is just absolutely fabulous. That is so cool. And uh, that is an awesome aspect of of whenever, you know, what you guys are talking about, whenever you work with, uh, with students, you know, being able to see uh, the light bulb come on and uh, take ownership and all kinds of things. So, So awesome stuff. So, uh, this is a school with small learning communities or academies. Uh, could you talk about what these are? 
Yeah, absolutely. So we follow the National Career Academy Coalition or NCAC model. Um, and so what we're basically doing is we are developing smaller schools within our school. And we do that in the form of academies. So our academies are broken down into a business academy, a production academy, a health academy, a service academy. And then here at Roosevelt, we have a freshman sophomore academy. So that's an academy for our freshman sophomore level students. Um, and their primary focus of their um, of, of their um, elective courses in that at that level is exploration of different career fields um, and different job opportunities for the future. Not that they're ever you know picking a job that they're going to do forever because most students are going to go on to do something that hasn't even been created yet um, with the advances of technology. But, but what we're trying to do is teach them in the context of something they have interest in. So within each of those academies, um, the, the business, the production, the health, and the service, we have anywhere from two to five different career pathways um, that we are going to provide the students with a three-course sequence that they can follow where they can actually learn more and more about that industry and really apply the things they're learning in their other classes um, you know, to that industry. Um, and in addition to that, um, we provide a lot of opportunities for work-based learning experiences for students. Um, and so that's really what, what sets us apart and makes us um, really unique is, is that focus on helping students to not only learn, but learn in the context of something they have interest in or something they want to pursue. Very cool. So, uh, you know, in working in this type of environment, is anything just kind of really stand out that you really like think is cool about uh, doing this? I mean, what, uh, there's gotta be I think something. The, the coolest part for me is we do what's called a pathway day. So we take groups of students out into the community and we give them the experience of seeing some of what we talk about in action. So we take students who maybe didn't realize the opportunities that they had, and we provide them with connections, um, job shadowing. I recently took a group of students to the Plumbers and Pipe Fitters Union for a day where they got a hands-on experience welding and soldering. And by the end of the day, there were at least two students that said, this is it. This is what I'm doing for a living. And just seeing that light up moment of, wow, I actually got to do this and I love it. And I know now what I want to do once I leave this building, I think is probably the most unique part of our academy model um, because we are empowering students to realize they can get out there and they can find these jobs with companies that they may not have even heard of before. Oh, that's excellent. And I'll piggyback on that, just, uh, just a frame of reference. Um, this is really real. Um, so our goal is that we want to connect with industry partners. Um, so when it comes to these career pathways that I talk about, you know, most of my, my teachers have never been, been a machinist, right? Um, so Christy does a lot with our manufacturing pathway. And so they'll go into a machine shop. Well, well she doesn't know how to run a lathe necessarily. Uh, she doesn't know how to run a mill. Um, she doesn't know how to write G code for a CNC machine. Um, so what we're trying to do is, is really flip the classroom in a couple of different ways. Uh, we're flipping it for students by putting them into an opportunity to, um, get some experiences that cause them to ask their own driving questions, uh, in their learning. And we're also flipping it in the terms of when we do these pathway days, which, which we do six of these a year, um, where we shut down the school and everybody goes out. Um, and, and one of the neat things about that is that that's actually as much, if not more for my teachers than it is for my students um, because it gets them industry experience and it gives them a day where they don't have to be the expert. We want our industry experts to come in, our industry partners come in, and we want them to be the experts. Uh, so just as an example, um, in, in the pathway that Christy is a part of, um, we partner with a company in the area called Woodward. Um, and so Woodward is a, a large machining company um, and Woodward literally provides uh, two days worth of content for us a year. Uh, where their training team comes in and does hands-on experiences with our kids one day. And then on another day, we send our kids to their plant and our kids actually go through a portion of their training uh, just to get the experience of what it's like. Um, but that's really key for us is giving those experiences, not just to students, um, but also to teachers um, so that when a student asks the question, why am I learning this? 
the teacher goes, oh, let me tell you why we're learning this. Um, do you remember when we went to such and such a place? Um, well, that's the concept that's at play here. Um, and so it gives teachers more confidence in the way they teach, uh, which it builds their own self-efficacy, but it also builds the self-efficacy of the student, right, uh, as they build that same kind of confidence learning from their teacher. That's, you know, it's, it's really cool what you're talking about. And, I, and you know, before we start talking, uh, before we start recording, uh, one of the things that you guys pointed out to me is that, and I, I think it's important here, especially when we start talking about these pathways and such, uh, you may not have a, like a traditional population at a, at a school, right? Yeah, let, let, let me tell you a little bit about that, because this is a really uh, an interesting thing that will blow your mind. We are, as far as I know, I don't know any other any other school. I'm sure there's others out there. We are literally birthed through all of the ages of adult wow. in this building. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really fascinating thing to think about. But so our, our primary program that we run is is kind of we call it our traditional program, but it's anything but traditional. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's an alternative competency based program. Uh, for students who have fallen behind in credits, um, students who have life circumstances that have just led them to not be successful in a traditional setting. So we move them in here where we can have flexible scheduling. Uh, it's competency-based so they can move at their own pace, um, which is great. Um, it, it's crazy, and there's a, a lot of things that go along with that, but it's, it's a really good thing. Um, in addition to that, we have a daycare on site so that teen parents um, have a place for their kids to be, uh, and so that that is really unique. So birth through um, through preschool, uh, and then we have an uh, adult education program uh, for students that are working on their GED. So that that's the spectrum of what we work with here. Yep, we offer individualized, adaptive, and inclusive learning environment for students who just maybe needed a new opportunity. So, for example, one of my classrooms, I have ages 15 to 20. Um, So it's not necessarily a traditional credit recovery program in the sense where, you know, students fall behind in one or two credits. We have students who just aren't successful in that traditional setting, so we bring them to Roosevelt and provide that individualized learning experience for them to help them reach their goal of getting their diploma. Very cool. So, you know, one of the things that I got to – you're leading me down this path that I got to ask about because there has to be some – to make something like this really work to have, and especially such a broad spectrum, you'd have to also have to have a community that's uh, kind of willing to work with you and it provides some of those, those essentials. Now, you know, I've been to, to Rockford and I've been to Portillo's. Um, oh. the, uh, <laughs> now, yeah. Okay. That's a little dangerous though, because you know, the, the hometown, the hometown market is all about beef root. So I'm just going to tell you right there. Gotcha. I've been there too. I've been there too. So uh, Chicago guy originally, yeah. you may have just alienated yourself with Rockfordians. <laughs> that's that's all right. I you know I'm, I'm an Atlanta Braves guys now, so uh, you know neither Cubs nor White Sox. Uh, <laughs> okay. Which my my dad's you know looking down on me and going ah oh, he's throwing things at me because he's a White Sox fan. But yeah. uh, now, now I, I got to tell you, Steve, though I say that because um, I just mentioned to you one of our our, our partners. Oh, cool. So, so Beaveru is an industry partner nice. uh, who contributes to our business pathway. So just throw that in there as a little nugget for you. <laughs> Very cool. That's awesome. So, so, you know, in all seriousness, I was, I was talking about the, you know, the, uh, um, that the environment of the community must lend itself to be able to offer those, those pathways. So is that kind of a cool, it must be kind of a cool aspect of this to work as a teacher with uh, being able to offer those pathways and work with the community leaders and such. Yeah. So, and it's a, it's a really interesting, um, kind of ecosystem uh, because the reality of it is for, for years I've heard people in the business world say things like, uh, or I should say industry, any industry in general, say things like, um, oh man, I, we, need, we need these schools to produce students um, that are capable to, to do the work we need them to do, right? Um, and so they harp on that and they harp on that. And, um, and so oftentimes I find myself asking kind of the question that, so tell me, what, what is it you need us to teach them that's different, right? Um, and typically, most people come back to um, a real simple thing. Well, teach them soft skills. And I'm like, okay, so first of all, let's pause for a second. What do you think I do with these kids every single day? Like, <laughs> it's interpersonal interaction. I'm constantly modeling soft skills. Um, obviously, that's not enough. And so, um, you know, I, I had an industry partner one time where I, I just, you made a kind of a comment like that. And I just kind of challenged him. I said, you know, when was the last time you were in, the, in a classroom? When was the last time you were in a school building? 
And um, he kind of said, you know, I really haven't. And I said, well, let's do this. Let's bring a group of, of my students out to see you. Let's have you interact with them and let's see what happens. Um, and he is a thriving contributor uh, to this, this little economy that we have now. So, um, yeah, it takes, uh, it, it, it takes a, a big community to do this. But what we're finding is we are bridging a gap for industry um, that's not just, you know, our primary purpose is not to teach industry techniques. Um, our primary purpose is to teach kids to be critical thinkers um, who are capable of asking hard questions and solving problems, right? So, like, I, I want kids to ask the most basic philosophical question. Knowing what I know, how will I live? Knowing what I know, what will I do, right? If I can get them asking that question and answering any, any problem that they face in life, answering it by coming back to that question, um, then what's going to happen is naturally they're going to move towards um, making good decisions, decisions that take in the, the, the concepts of, of human flourishing uh, amongst all those that they engage with. Um, and that's what, what we really want to, to see happen. And so the techniques and stuff come on the back end. And so as, as we engage with industry partners, what, what we have found is there's, there's a two-way street here, right? So it's always about, it's not just about them coming and seeing us. It's about us going and seeing them. Um, but it's about us building a relationship with each other. And so what I love is when our industry partners um, come in and, and students start recognizing them and they start recognizing students, and they start having interpersonal dialogue. And I will see a kid's soft skills grow by leaps and bounds in a matter of just a couple of interactions with an industry partner than it will with me. Because let's be honest, if you're a parent out there and, and you're listening to this, you're going, man, my parent or my kids talk to me a certain way, right? They're, they're a certain way around me. And if you're anything like me, I'm always going, I am so glad that people tell me how great my kids are around them because I, I feel like, oh my goodness, do you talk to your friends, friend, or parents that way? Or is it just to me, right? Um, when we're familiar and comfortable, we get a little more lax, right? So the best way to teach those skills is to engage them um, with other people. And so we have, um, I mean, like I said, we, we have three students this year alone who have gotten jobs with industry partners that we partner with. Uh, I have uh, three or four industry partners that are industry partners because a student worked there and connected me to them, right? Nice. And so this becomes, it's not about going out and, and creating some campaign to say, who's going to sponsor us? It's about literally saying, hey, we are in a community together. Let's, we, have, we have shared experiences. Let's live those shared experiences with one another um, industry, teachers, and students together. And as we do that, the rest of this will come naturally. Um, and so that's really what we're, we're trying to get to. That's excellent. I love it. I love it. And, and uh, sorry if I made that little uh, uh, faux pas there and uh, mentioned the wrong company. So if you... <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's awesome. So... Uh, so, Christy, let's talk about something, this grant you received. You received the 40th anniversary grant from Vernier Science Education. Uh, yes. Tell us who Vernier Science Education is and what you received as a result of uh, getting the grant. Um, sure. They are one of the um, biggest companies that provide data collection, collection technology that's used in classrooms um, for hands-on learning experiences for students. And they have a wide variety of technology that um, is available for teachers to use in the classroom. They also do a wonderful job of providing hands-on innovative experiments for teachers to implement in the classroom. Um, and with the grant, I was able to bring some technology to Roosevelt that we didn't quite have yet that shows them a little bit more of that industry standard that they might see once they go into these community partners. Um, so I was able to purchase some probes, like temperature probes, pH probes. Um, I was able to purchase a melting point um, little machine that you put it in, you can determine the melting point of an unknown substance. Very hands-on inquiry-based and data collection on the computer, just a great way to kind of bring in that traditional science topic with the integration of the technology. 
Excellent. Excellent. Very cool. So uh, uh, that's good stuff. And that, uh, it's a big deal. So kudos. And uh, I mean, I, hopefully you've uh, been able to get a few uh, you know, high fives and all kinds of good stuff with that. So that's, that's cool. Oh, stuff. yes. Well, they love it because then they don't have to hand graph, right? Because it's done for them. So nice. they absolutely love it. Lots of high fiving after that. Very cool. Uh, all right. So, uh, Christy, could you talk a little bit about the way you teach? I mean, balancing traditional science needs and hands-on experiences? So I taught at a traditional high school, high-performing high school for a long time, and decided that I just needed to make a change. Because in the traditional classroom these days, it's, you know, lecture, worksheets, check for knowledge, let's get ready for the AP test, let's get ready for this test, let's do this. So when I came to Roosevelt, I had to completely shift my mindset of, traditional learning versus competency-based learning. And so in my classroom, I'm able to work individually with each student to find out how they learn. So I work with our students. Um, Our max class size is 18. So we have these opportunities to really get to know them and how they learn, what their interests are. And I'm able to basically take my curriculum and adapt it to that student. So I, yes, I have my learning guide. Yes, I have my standards, my NGSS standards. Yes, I have the district curriculum. But if I have a student that comes to me who maybe didn't have a great experience in science or maybe doesn't have the confidence that they need to say, I'm good at science, I'm able to say, what are you interested in? You want to go to cosmetology school? Guess what? Let's talk about the chemistry behind cosmetology school. Go ahead and do a project on that. Make a poster. Teach that to the other students in the class. So I, every day, am teaching a little bit different. And I am basically taking that traditional science curriculum and finding ways to make it visual, hands-on, relevant to their day-to-day life, um, providing examples of real-world context. Um, Hey, we just went to Woodward. You guys saw them doing this, this, and this guess what? We're going to do something similar in the classroom today as well. So basically, there's no way of me saying, hey, this is what I do every day because every day is different because every day it's what the student needs and what they need to be successful and what they need to learn the material. Um, And at the end of the day, as long as they show me that mastery, which oftentimes is through conversations, which is very different than a traditional high school, um, then they get feedback from me and that's how we ultimately get to that we are teaching them what they need to know and we focus so much on skills um and scott brought up critical thinking problem solving you know using measurement and things like that that they can apply to a future career and coming from a traditional school where we had so much college readiness. And we do have students here that we do college readiness for, but I also focus so much on those skills to make um, students prepared to be in that workforce and make sure that they're able to be lifelong learners and take those skills and apply it to be successful when they're done with Roosevelt. Very cool. So I got a question for you. Do you ever have Students say to you, uh, just tell me what I need to do. Every day. (laughs) Every day. And I say back, what do you want to do today? And that's what's different at Roosevelt, right? And they can come in and they can say, you know what, I'm having a bad day today. And I'll say, let's talk about it. And I really, I don't, I don't necessarily teach science. I'm here to work with students to reach their goals. And Science is an added bonus, right? Like I'm a diehard chemistry nerd. If we want to get into science, let's go for it, right? And so this has been definitely a shift, especially teaching like a community college, right? There's an ultimate goal there. They're going into nursing school. They're doing this, this, and this. And here they walk in and they say, I'm not feeling it today. And I say, what are you feeling? And even today, for example, I have a student who was disengaged on her cell phone, wanted nothing to do with science. And I said, I remember you saying you want to go into like electrical work, electrician. You were super interested when we went out in the community and went to these different pathway days. I said, why don't you look up wires? Do you know why electricity works? Oh, no, I don't. Okay. I want you to tell me why electricity works, how it works. Why do we use copper? Why don't we use a nonmetal? Oh, what's a nonmetal? Let's talk about what a nonmetal is. So it literally then turns into hitting every single one of those learning standards that I want them to leave my classroom with 
and it just happened naturally through conversation. She got right on her computer and she was like, oh, this is why we use copper. Oh, these are the properties that we need to know. And so just having that basic conversation and being a part of their their pathway experience and having that relationship, all of a sudden super engaged in science, worked the entire time, was so excited. I'll add into that that one of the unique things about um, approaching education from this perspective is um, I, I always used to tell um, students that were were bemoaning having to do community service. I said, you know, the, the best way to get through community service is to drag as many friends down with you as you possibly can. Nice. Uh, and, of course, everybody wins, right? You get more people involved. It's a, right. it's a great thing. Um, not in Christie's classroom, but in another one of our, our science classrooms, we had a group of students that were not doing anything. And the science teacher simply kind of looked at him and he was like, hmm, I wonder what it would take to get this ping pong ball hit that clock. And he just left them. And these kids sat there and did nothing for the next couple of days. And then all of a sudden, this one kid's like, no, I think we could probably build something that would use air pressure to get it over there. Nice. Um, well, let's just say I ended up taking this group of students. Um, we, we've got a, a, a van that, that is our schools so that we can um, take kids out to do, do different work-based learning experiences. So I secured the van. I get the kids in it, took them to the, to the, the hardware store. And we literally stood in the hardware store, and they started problem solving. They started asking questions. I don't know how they came to it, but somehow we ended up with a sprinkler solenoid as a trigger switch for this, this launching uh, apparatus um, that upon their first launch, they thought that they had exploded the ping pong ball because it hit the wall so hard. When they went back and looked at the video footage that they shot, they discovered they hadn't launched it so hard that the, the ping pong ball was destroyed against the wall. They launched it with such force that the ping pong ball exploded before it ever left the chamber. Wow. And so these kids began a three-month journey of, of digging into this. And, and a science teacher can just sit there and say, well, why do you think that works? And now, oh, now I got to explain it to you, right? And so they're going back, but all the while, we let them build it first, right? They had fun with it first. And then the more fun that they had, the more they were willing to answer questions. Um, and so, and, and again, it was one student who had an idea, and then it started snowballing. And we get that a lot where, where kids will just jump onto other projects. And they're like, wait a second, that's kind of cool. I think I'll jump onto it. One thing I don't hear often here that I heard all the time at the traditional school, why am I learning this? Because here they know why they're learning it. They they get it. They understand, you know, the, the ping pong ball at the time might not seem like, hmm, this doesn't seem like they're learning something. But then after a while, I'm like, oh, I get it now. I get that all the time. Oh, I get it now. Now I understand why we're doing this. That is awesome. I love it. That's good stuff. And, and I can imagine, uh, you know, how many kids get a chance to go to hardware store and sit there and try to figure out a problem. That's yep. And one of the great things about that was um, they had a couple of things they couldn't quite figure out and we weren't helping them. And so they went to the people that worked in the hardware store. Nice. And so these hardware store, if you, if you, I'm a little, uh, you know, I'm a little, a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, I'm kind of a fan of hardware stores. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm working in a hardware store and I'm kind of a fan of hardware stores. Um, but one of the, the best parts about working in a hardware store is getting a really random, weird question, right? And so really the hardware store is no different than the classroom experience we're creating for kids, right? I've got a problem. I'm trying to solve it. Okay, let's talk about it, right? Uh, nice. We're just making them do a little bit of math along with it, right? Love it. Love it. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. So right, let's go a little bit more in depth about students getting a chance to connect what they're learning in the classroom and work world. I mean, because I think it fits right really well with that. I mean, you know, I've spent quite a bit of time as I've been trying to, uh, I'm real proud of myself lately because I've, I've managed to fix my lawnmower and my weed whacker. Um, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. By watching YouTube and, uh, and then buying the part and then hoping that the part were, and you know, I actually finally made them work instead of them sitting there waiting for me. So, um, so I understand this thought about going in the hardware store and going, Hey, excuse me, can I ask you a question? Um, yes. And then suddenly the person's, you know, taking me from here to there to there. And next thing you know, I'm able to solve my problem. So, um, talk about connecting it with the real world. I mean, uh, you know, 
let's let's yeah, go down absolutely. There. So um, yeah, that'll that'll float my direction. Yeah, you know, we have an interesting population too in that, um, and COVID has has created some shifts in our population. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying that um, we have some we have a, more students. We have more of a population on the younger end right now than what we've had in the past. But traditionally, our school has been primarily eighteen years of age or older. Um, so, you know, cause we're given, we're trying to get to those kids that need the, the, that are closest to aging out, um, by state standards, um, and, and trying to give them an opportunity to finish up their high school diploma. So, so one of the things that's really unique about that is, you know, you don't have the, the whole, like I take kids into a, a manufacturing plant and they're like, well, we can't let you really do much because none of you are 18. And all of a sudden I got a whole group like, oh, we're all 18. We're like, oh, great. Hey, we get to have some fun today. Um, and so, yeah, so getting the kids out there and, and letting them see most of our kids have, to be honest with you, most of our kids have adult responsibilities. Um, my first year here as a, as a school counselor, I had a young man who would come for the, the first three periods of the day uh, and bring his, his son in with him. And then he would go to work uh, and his wife would come in or his girlfriend would come in and she would finish out the day, pick up their child and go home. And then when he got off work, she went into work, right? And they just, they did this, this, this dance to, to make things work, to make ends meet. We have kids that are providing for the, that are the primary breadwinners for their family. Um, and so when you have a, a setting like that, um, you know, a lot of these kids start at low level industry um, positions, which there's nothing wrong with, right? That's actually, that's a very good place to practice your soft skills uh, learn how to take instruction, you know, learn, learn how to do the basic things. Um, but what we want them to do is we want them to do a couple things simultaneously. We want them to dream big, right? Like, what do you want to be? So I've got a student right now who's like, um, no one in my family has ever gone to college. And what I really want to do is I don't just want to go to college. I want to become a doctor of some kind. And I'm like, wow, that's a really cool goal. And so what, what do you want to do? Well, I want to do something in the medical profession. And so um, it's like, okay, well, let's start exploring that. So the students start exploring that early on. We have a class called College and Career Readiness. Um, and so students in the, that freshman sophomore academy will be in that class. And they'll look at a lot of different things, a lot of different angles. Um, this particular student has been able to um, do some projects and things that started to narrow in on some different fields. And we had a, um, a local chiropractor, a wholesale chiropractic here in Rockford is a industry partner of ours. And uh, Dr. Dace had come and uh, I happened to be a patient, a patient of his. And so uh, he said, Hey, why don't I come do a demonstration for your students? Uh, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an adjustment while we're at it so the kids can see somebody get adjusted. Oh, that's a great idea. So he came in and did this, um, and we now have a cult following of kids that are just intrigued about chiropractic work. Awesome. So we gave him an opportunity. Dr. Dace is like, hey, this is great. Uh, we love having kids come into to our, our space and walk around with us. Um, why don't you see how many of these kids would want to come and do a job shadow with us? And so we sent three kids, or four kids, out to do job shadows. Um, one of them was like, one of the things I really am interested in is I'm really interested in like how you do this with babies. And so they were able to line up some patients that were willing to allow this, this student to be in there while they did a chiropractic adjustment on an infant. And, um, and so they were able to learn and somebody else was like, I really wonder how does this work with older people? And so they were able to focus on that. Um, and so they had that experience. Um, so that's a work-based learning experience, right? They did, did, a, did a, a four to five hour job shadow uh, following somebody around. And then we take them and um, Dr. Hulsebus calls us up and he says, hey, um, you know, we want to take a group of students to Palmer College of Chiropractic where he is an alum of. And, um, and he's like, we're going to get a charter bus. We're going to fill that charter bus with students for RPS 205. Uh, and so we sent five students of ours, um, including these, these four that did job shadows, uh, down to Palmer College of Chiropractic. And now I've got not just one, I've got three of them that are like, hey, I can do this. Well, in the midst of that, the, the partnerships go beyond just us, right? Hulsebus is our partner, but Hulsebus is also a, Palmer, a, a partner with Palmer College of Chiropractic and with Rock Valley College, which is our local community college. And so these students now have an opportunity upon graduation to go to Rock Valley College. They can get all of the basic gen ed stuff they need. And basically within four to, or within five to six years, um, they can be a, have a doctorate in chiropractic. 
Um, and, and, and honestly, it's doable. It's really doable. Um, financial aid is great. There's lots of opportunities. So we're looking for those types of things, but it goes beyond that too. Like, so again, we want to leverage the resources that we have here. Um, but one of the things that I oftentimes tell people is you can't forget that all education systems are a microcosm of the greater economy. That is how education started. <laughs> and so if we understand that, then we go, wait a second, our resources aren't so far off, right? So we have kids in an education pathway. And so one of the things that we do with them is they have an opportunity to actually do clinical type work with our daycare and preschool, right? And so they can actually go out and, and um, do lesson planning and provide a lesson for these kids and get experience being in front of kids and whatnot. Um, and with that, we've uh, added into that particular program three different Rock Valley College courses uh, that our students can do. So our, our kids can basically walk out of here with 13 college credits already under their belt in early childhood education. They can have um, their Gateways Level 1 certification, which basically means they can work as a teacher's aide in a daycare. Um, they can get that. And the reason they're able to get that is because we provide them with HeartSaver CPR certification on those pathway days. So they have an opportunity to get that certification. And this year, we have a student who is going to sit for her para exam prior to graduating high school. So she's going to sit for a para certificate. She'll get the, she'll pass the test. And then the day she graduates and gets her diploma, she can apply with the Illinois State Board of Education for her para license. Within two weeks, we can have her to a point where our HR department can hire her. Nice. So, so you start to see how we're working. What's our biggest issue in education right now? We have a shortage of teachers. So how do we eliminate that? We create a pipeline that allows kids to flow in here. How do you do that? You give kids industry experiences. You get them job shadowing. We have principals that love having those students come in. And, and I've just shared two examples from two different pathways, right? But we're doing stuff like this within the context of all of our pathways. We're finding ways to bring in our industry partners. Um, in fact, one of our, our transportation technology pathway, this is the one that blows my mind. Everybody's like, how come we never thought of that? Um, our transportation technology pathway has a fantastic relationship with who? With the Rockford Public School Transportation Department. They love having our kids come down to the bus park. So our kids have an opportunity to get experience working on diesel vehicles. Um, they get to see how all the big rig stuff works because we have all the snow removal equipment down there, all the cool stuff, right? Um, they get to put a bus up on a lift and see what that's like. But you can't do that in a normal classroom, right? And so we have kids that walk out. They're like, this is really cool. I think I'd like to do this. I kind of want to work on big rigs. I wonder what that would look like. Well, hey, start here. We'll train you. And then after a while, if you decide to move on, you decide to move on. If you decide this is a good fit, this is a good fit. But when we engage with industry partners, I tell our industry partners, it always has to end with one of two things. It ends with you looking them in the eye and saying, here's the next step. I don't care if the next step is, you know what? You can't work in my law office as a paralegal, but you could empty the trash cans and clean the bathroom for us. It puts you in proximity. And over time, as we build a relationship, we can hopefully get you some internship opportunities, right? Um, so, so what's that that first step? Or if I could be so audacious, why not just offer them a job? And and so those three kids I told you about that all have have jobs now. Every single one of those, it, it came about by the owner of a company looking at me and going, "Man, that kid's got it going on. I'd love to have a kid like that work for me." And I'm looking at him going, "Why are you talking to me then?" Go over there and talk to them, make it the interview, make them an offer. And that is an opportunity many students may not have had because they have not come to the world. And kind of going on what Scott's saying here, and from the classroom perspective at Roosevelt, for example, going to the plumbers and pipe fitters, um, as the, the speaker was speaking to us, I was jotting down lesson plan ideas. He was explaining how an air conditioner worked, and my students looked at me like he's lying, right? No, he's not lying. Go ahead. We're going to go ahead and, and talk about how the HVAC systems work. Um, and my, I have a student who decided she wants to go into welding. She got empowered at the welding um, by an instructor that was there. She was wonderful. And I thought to myself, okay, so we're going to talk about why they use tungsten. Why does welding work? How does welding work? Let's hone in on those measurement skills. So she, has, if she needs to measure something very specific, how can we make sure it's there? So 
I think in terms of relating it to their educational experience, it goes back to building those relationships and the individualized education experience. So if I know a student wants to weld, let's go for it. Let's talk about the chemistry of welding. You want to do nails? Let's talk about the chemistry of nails. So I think having the experiences through the academies and the teachers also having the knowledge of what the students are interested in, we can just kind of work together to bring it into the classroom. That's so cool. I, and especially because I you already hear you know, you're talking about stuff that uh, it lends itself towards, uh, you know, the motivating the kids to want to know more. I mean, uh, you know, any thoughts about, um, about that just alone? Um, I, I think motivation comes from areas that I guess I didn't know existed before I came to Roosevelt, right? So in a traditional setting, you're like, you need an A. Your motivation should be to get that A or that B or, you know, whatever. And then I start at Roosevelt and the motivation is, wait, I can leave here in two months and walk into this job and have health insurance and benefits and start a career that's going to pay for my college education. So I think the motivation here obviously comes from obtaining their credits and graduating high school. But a lot of that motivation also comes from some of these experiences that they're seeing and realizing, hey, if I finish school, I know what's waiting for me when I'm done. And I think um, reminding them of that or encouraging pathways and building new relationships with community members um, definitely strikes that motivation cord for students. And I'll just tell you one of the, the neatest, most unique experiences you could ever have if you were to come to visit us is that we're competency-based, so kids are finishing up classes all the time, right? Yeah, so when it, self-paced as well. So when a kid is finishes their last credit, they're a graduate, right? They haven't walked yet, um, and they'll get their diploma at the end of the school year, but they're technically a graduate. Um, and so we do a hall walk. Um, those nice. kids literally come up to the far end of the building, and they walk the hall one last time. And as they walk the hall, everybody comes out. Our adult education people, the preschoolers, they all come out. Everybody grabs something. If you don't have something to make noise with, you bang on the lockers because um, we haven't used lockers in years, you know, and we celebrate those students. And and one of the coolest things, you get down to the office and our principal will always look at the students and say, so what do, what do you think you're going to do next? And I have yet to have a student who is like, uh, I don't know, right? I mean, they, oh, I'm, I'm doing this, right? We had a kid last year who um, wanted to to become a barber. And he's like, you know, what's what's next? Oh, well, I've already got it lined up. I'm, I'm going to barber school, and I've already got a, an internship lined up that I can, can work at. Well, the interesting part about that is that um, a few months earlier, uh, our mayor had come to the school to, to speak. And, you know, most people are like, oh, you bring a mayor into to school, and yeah, they're plugging a political agenda, waving, you know, shaking hands with people, making nice, and hopefully everybody likes them, right? Um, well, one of the neat things about Mayor McNamara here in, in Rockford is that, um, you know, he he's true to his word. So literally, he asked this kid, what do you, what do you want to do? This kid said, I want to be a barber. He goes, well, hey, you know, we need small business owners in town, so if there's ever anything I can do for you, let me know. And he starts to turn away, and the kid goes, well, wait a second, actually, Mayor McNamara turned back around, and he said, uh, well, what is it? He goes, I could really use a client <laughs> and I kid you not, they set a date and Mayor McNamara got himself a haircut. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's, so it's, it, it's the fact that these kids, they, they end with something and it's not, let, let's be honest. I always tell people, this is not about predicting a student's outcome for their career for the rest of their life. Um, to be honest with you, I ask myself the question, gee, I wonder what's going to be next for me, right? Like I'm not, I'm not so arrogant to think that I'm going to be doing exactly what I'm doing now for the rest of my life. There might be other opportunities that come. I've already had a couple of different, um, uh, different career paths that I, I've gone down and I'm sure there'll be others and that'll be true for my students as well. Um, but are they walking out with with an idea of being intrigued, right? That where they're going after and, and they tasted something, and now they're going to go see it and, and try it a little bit deeper, right? Um, you know, leaning further in, uh, and then just seeing where that leads them. And again, if we if we come back to that idea of teaching them to ask the basic philosophical question, knowing what I know, how will I live? What will I do, right? 
if we do that, then we prepare them to be ready to step out into the world. And when an opportunity presents themselves uh, itself to them, then they have the wherewithal to be able to think through that critically and go, yeah, I think this is something that matches with my skills, my abilities, and at the same time might stretch me in a new and different way. And so, yeah, I'll go after that. Um, but we wanted to have something that they're, they're, they're leaning into and going after. And how can we intervene and how can we motivate? My first hall walk here, I remember thinking this is it. Because when you go to your high school graduation, you're one of how many? At Roosevelt, you're the one. You're walking through that hall. And, I mean, I'm on the bottom floor in the plastics lab. And I can hear everyone from the third floor. And the pride that you feel as a teacher, as a staff member, as the parent liaison, as the MTSS coach, seeing that student achieve that goal, it not only motivates their peers, it motivates me as well. Because I see what they have accomplished, and it just puts in perspective how much they've worked and how much we have done here to help them get to that point. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Oh, you give me chills just uh, listening, uh, listen to you talk and describe that. That's that's so cool and inspiring. You know, um, Christy and Scott, I know that after listening to this, if, if someone wanted to follow up and connect with you guys and learn more, where would you send them? Yeah, so um, first of all, you know, if your questions are about like, hey, what's, what's that kind of academies thing look like in general? That was the National Career Academy Coalition, uh, NCAC, so that you can go to their website. Uh, and get more information on that and the ways that they support school districts in doing that. Um, you know, uh, this is one of those things where I'm, I'm totally open. And if people want to reach out to me, they, they certainly can. Um, my email is real simple, scott.cv at rps205.com. So that's S-C-O-T-T dot S-E-V as in Victor E-Y at rps205.com. Uh, and, you know, we're happy to, to take questions and help out as, as best we can. Um, I would also encourage going to the Roosevelt website, um, which is, uh, you can go to rpf205.com and look for Roosevelt. It kind of explains a little bit more of our model and that individualized PBL experiences. You're more than welcome to reach out to me by email. Um, I also fulfill a very interesting role here at Roosevelt where I work in the plastics lab, where we um, have precious plastics machines and shredders, and I... I mean, my husband says I'm a plastic hoarder, but I prefer more of like a saving the world kind of mentality towards it, um, where I take I take plastic from Roosevelt's bottle caps and things like that, and we repurpose it into different things through shredding and remelting and all that kind of fun stuff. So if you want to reach out about learning experiences here at Roosevelt, or if you want to talk plastic, I am available for that as well. And um, my email is not as simple, so I will spell it. K-R-I-S-T-Y dot T-O-P's and Paul, A-L-O-B's and Victor, I-C-H, at rps205.com. That is awesome. I'll put all that information in the show notes. I greatly appreciate it. And I got two last questions for you guys, which have nothing to do with what you do every day, but things I like to share with my, my audience. And the first one goes like this. Um, how do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? So I actually can speak to this because I did want to quit and I actually um, had my third child and was fortunate enough to stay home for a year. And at the end of the year, I said, you know, and I don't want to go back. I want to change careers. I want to find something else. I was super burned out in teaching and I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm not making the difference I always thought I did. And I realized that I had to shift my mindset and I had to say, okay, let's, why did I get into teaching to begin with? What, what is, why am I here? And the reason I'm here is to work with students and to build those relationships. And so when I wanted to quit, Roosevelt came into my life. So sometimes we need to find new opportunities or if you want to stay at the place you're at, you want to stay in a traditional high school, Maybe look at those opportunities. Maybe look at different learning styles. Look at individualized education and competency-based and say to yourself, wow, this is something that I could potentially do. And I see the results from my students. And that has given me, I can't even, I am, 
I never want to quit education. I want to stay working with students forever. I want to continue to help them not only become empowered with themselves and finding what they want to do for a living, but also finding the joy and interest in science. Roosevelt has really led me to believe that every student has the capability and the ability to learn science. And when students walk in my classroom the first day, they say, I'm really bad at science. I say, you're just not good at science yet. Let's, let's do some things. And so sometimes when I want to quit, I think to myself, there are so many more students that I am going to have the opportunity to reach and love science as much as I do, or at least try to. Very cool. Yeah, and I think the way I would respond, and, and I know this may not um, this may not be the most practical, um, but what that also means is that um, for especially for administrators um, that are listening, um, it's a challenge to you, and that and that is this. Again, I, I come back to the idea that really and truly, education is a microcosm of the greater economy, right? Like this, it, we, the purpose of education was to. Um, get people educated to a point where they could do the work that needed to be done for a society to function together. And so um, we do, we try to do that in the context of isolation way too much. Um, and so my encouragement would be this. Um, I, I have a, I'll, I'll do it in the example of a, of a, of a, quick anecdote from a guy that runs a machine shop um, up in Edgerton, Wisconsin. Uh, Dave Haytag is his name. Uh, if you want to look him up, he's got a lot of really great stuff. Um, but, you know, um, Dave and I talked, and as we talked, this, this concept came out of this idea that, you know, when you hire somebody to do a job, uh, at first it takes them 120% of their time to give you 100% of what you're asking for. And then over time, it gets to the point where it takes them 100% of their time to give you 100% of what you're asking for. And then as time goes on, when you hit that, that six months to, to a year kind of a slot, most of the time you get into a point where it takes about 80% of their time to give you 100% of what you're looking for. So they're more efficient, right, the longer they do it. And in industry, the tendency is to do what? The industry is like, well, let's increase the quota, right? That's the worst thing you could do. That 20% margin should be spent revitalizing your people, right? And so for me, I go, are you get, if you're an administrator, are your teachers, if, if they're going to produce students that are going to be ready for the workforce and ready for education, are your teachers getting time out in that workforce and out in those education fields to learn, to grow, and to rub shoulders with people and be learners, right? And then here's the next part. Whenever possible, take a kid with you. Get a couple of kids. When, when I go visit industry partners, I never go alone. I almost always take students with me, right? Because part of it is they energize me as, they, as I watch them learn, and I go, oh, they're learning. Huh. So it's not just about, you know, a company that produces the knob that goes on my stove, right? Like this is, this is something that's really interesting to kids. Um, so that energizes me. Um, but then the other side of it is when as educators, we love learning. Otherwise, we wouldn't do what we're doing. And if you don't love learning, you know, I, I'll, I'll just be hard. Maybe you need to be thinking about why you're doing this. But, but if you truly love learning, model that learning for kids. So, so go out there and do it. So, so that's my thing is most of us try to do this in isolation. Um, a teacher should never be afraid of you know an industry partner coming into the classroom and stepping on their toes. The if the industry partner is stepping on your toes because they're talking against something that you're teaching, you probably ought to be listening to them because they're the ones in the industry. Um, let them lead a little bit. Um, and then when you do that, it creates this collaborative environment. So get out, um, give your people time to be out and engage. And I think Christy would tell you, that that has probably been one of the biggest things is just her opportunity to learn from industry. So it's it's a new way to you know in teaching you learn from that when students like do the oh and sometimes it takes finding new ways to get that aha out of them and that moment out of them and sometimes it takes things like pathway days and you know welding and those types of things which I never would have thought of even three years ago. So finding new ways for yourself 
and finding new ways for your students to reach that, oh, I get it moment, it definitely puts in perspective and definitely re reignited the passion I had inside me for that, that teaching and learning. So awesome. Thank you both. Uh, last question I got for you goes like this. Uh, do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say thank you? I do. His name is Mr. Shutters. Um, he was my high school chemistry teacher and not many 16 year old students leave their high school saying, I want to be a chemist, right? That's kind of chemistry. Every time I tell people I'm a chemistry teacher, they say, oh, God, I hated chemistry. And the day I started that class, I was like, this is it. Chemistry means stoichiometry. Who doesn't want to spend their entire life doing stoichiometry? And Mr. Shutters saw that in me. And while, and now that I am myself a chemistry teacher, thanks to him, a lot of teachers who maybe notice that passion may not tap into it. And he saw that in me and he encouraged me and he differentiated and he gave me experiences within that classroom. And if it wasn't for him, I never would have been empowered to be a chemist at the age of 16, which people really think is crazy. But um, if I were to see him today, which I actually might because ironically my husband works with him now at in his school um but when i think of seeing him and i think of how to thank him i thank him for encouraging my passion and recognizing it and learning about me and my learning style and helping me to become the scientist i am today excellent and I would answer that. I actually, I have to say three, so I'll go, I'll go real quick. Fourth grade, this is Long Linnaeus. And so we're going to see if there's the, the power of the podcast right now. <laughs> I have never been able to track down Mrs. Long Linnaeus because Miss Long because she was uh, single at the time. She's gotten married, I'm sure, by now. And so um, I don't have a name, and I've never been able to track her down. So if anybody knows somebody, uh, Oak Creek Elementary School, Houston, Texas, fourth grade, Miss Long Linnaeus, um, I am dyslexic, and so she was the first teacher, um, because I was kind of borderline, uh, she was the first teacher that said, no, we're, we're going to do something different with this kid. And on the same token, uh, my freshman year of college and my senior year of high school, I took a couple college classes, uh, Professor Kim Budd uh, at Judson University, and uh, Kim Budd realized right away that there was something different about the way I learned, and, and again, it was the dyslexia. And, and so here's what they did. They taught me that it was okay to learn differently than other people. Those two people impacted me significantly. Uh, and the last one is uh, Mr. Steve Childs, who was my junior high band director and high school jazz band director. Um, and I kid you not, there was a day when I actually convinced the entire jazz band to walk out of class. We skipped school and we went to um, an undisclosed location. We'll put it that way. Um, but here's what I remember. He, he came and he looked at me. I said, what are you doing here? And he said, Mr. Seavey, I would never in a million years be able to live with myself if I couldn't look at your mother and at least say that I knew where you were and that you were safe. And so if this is what I have to do, then I will do it. And so here's what he taught me. He taught me, be there for your students. Be there for your students, even when they're absolute jerks to you. Um, and so uh, he is one that I have been able to track down. I apologize. I issued a written apology. Um, and but, he, but his years, it stuck with me a little bit at the time. But years later, um, that was really impactful for me. So those, those are my three. And I think I reflect on that daily. Right? I think of teachers that made a difference in my life. It's because they taught me it was okay to learn differently. And it was okay to be yourself. And it was okay to be excited for learning. And it was okay if, you know, you wanted to be different. And so I think Scott and I shared that similar based on these stories of we had teachers that empowered us to be ourselves. And that's something I try to do every day at Roosevelt. That's so awesome. I appreciate you guys sharing those stories. It's very cool. It's neat when you think about that. So, uh, Good stuff. Uh, you know, uh, Christy and Scott, thanks so much for sharing with us about Roosevelt Community Education Center, the Academies, Project Bakes Learning, the Vernier Science Education 40th Anniversary Grant. Kudos again. Uh, keep up the great work. Wishing you both the best in all you do. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. The opinions expressed on Teaching Learning Leading K-12 are those of the guests and host. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.